Now, about eight days after saying the, after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came came and overshadowed them. And they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. There is a whole generation of people, which I guess I'm a part of, that when they hear the word transfiguration, their mind doesn't immediately jump to this special Sunday on the church calendar, but instead first thinks of Harry Potter. For those of you unfamiliar with this series, I'm sure it's available at your local library. But Hogwarts, a wizarding school, has a class called Transfiguration. And in this class, young wizards learn to change one thing into something completely different. Like a porcupine into a pincushion, or a beetle into a button. It's complicated magic. You have to get it just right, or your object will be only partially transformed. And it helps to start small, too. The larger the object, the more difficult it is to transfigure. Now, transfiguration in the fictional wizarding world is not the same transfiguration that we celebrate today. But it does offer a helpful illustration. Transfiguration is one thing becoming an entirely different thing, helping us to wrap our minds around how complete this transformation was, this metamorphosis. On Transfiguration of our Lord's Sunday, we celebrate the moment when Jesus was transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John. It seems even those who witnessed this transformation take place didn't know how to describe it exactly, how to capture the meaning of it with words. 
We read that Jesus' face changed, that his clothing became dazzling white, that Moses and Elijah appeared. But Jesus didn't just sparkle and shine. Jesus had a complete transformation. Before their very eyes, Jesus' divinity was on full display. On this mountaintop, three chosen disciples saw Jesus completely transformed. They saw a glimpse of Jesus' coming glory, a moment of transformation and resurrection that they could hold with them as they did the difficult work of accompanying Jesus to Jerusalem, of doing ministry that would anger those in power and eventually lead to Jesus' arrest and death on the cross. For Peter, James, and John, this moment would always be a source of courage and strength. If they had any doubt about Jesus' identity before, seeing Jesus in glory alongside Moses and Elijah with a voice from heaven speaking from the clouds, surely removed any uncertainty. And it's good to remember that there were also faithful disciples who weren't on this mountaintop. And we're not told why. Were those other disciples sleeping in? Did they witness other amazing things not recorded in scripture? Were they busy with some important ministry simply not the hiking type? (laughs) Did they not need this moment the way that Peter and John and James would need this moment? We don't know. It's not for us to know. Jesus brought three disciples with him that day. They were the only ones who experienced the transfiguration with their own eyes. The rest of us only experience it through their witness. In our own lives of faith, sometimes we have the privilege of witnessing something truly amazing, of seeing God's glory revealed. These moments don't come often. Sometimes they are once in a lifetime. I think of the birth of my daughter holding this tiny life in my arms for the first time, knowing that with God and my husband, I created her. She is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. I helped bring this new life into the world. But most moments in a life of faith aren't these breathtaking, life-changing moments. Most of faith life occurs in the day-to-day, in the ordinary. And the moments where I've witnessed the glory of God might look very, very different than the moments when you've witnessed God's glory. But these moments, if you've experienced one or two, these are the moments that anchor our faith when we start to doubt or face trials or enter the wilderness, 
They give us something to cling to when things seem bleak. While witnessing the transfiguration, Peter wants to dwell in this moment to set up camp and stay a while. And sometimes we give Peter a hard time for this, but he's so right. They are witnessing a miracle. And if you get to experience a miracle, you should stay there as long as you can and delight in it. Of course, Jesus has other plans. It's time to go back down. There's more to do. Soon his glory will be revealed, but not yet. And just as they return, Jesus is met with a boy who needs healing. Peter, John, and James had to leave the mountaintop. But the mountaintop never left them. There's been a lot going on in the world this week. And I think we need a space where we can talk about what's going on as people of faith. Like in Texas, a a politician gave an opinion that mandatory reporters should report any parents or caregivers that give gender-affirming care to their trans children, calling this love and support child abuse. And in Florida, proposed legislation threatens to limit educational resources, not allowing lessons to include or even mention the diversity of loving relationships and family structures. Imagine never seeing yourself or your family represented in school. Kids will feel shamed if they come from families that don't have one mother and one father. Kids who are starting to think more about their own bodies and how they want to dress and express themselves, who they're attracted to, will question if what they're feeling is normal. And they won't have a safe place to ask these questions. We know that statistically, LGBTQ youth are more likely to suffer from depression and even commit suicide. So legislation like this would increase those feelings of rejection and difference. It's just dangerous. But right now, perhaps what's heaviest on our hearts are the events in the Ukraine. How the world watches as we wonder if this is the start of the next world war. And today, when we all carry a small computer with a camera around in our pockets, there are endless videos of explosions people hiding to stay safe, others who are protesting. The footage is scary, and it feels like for us who are on the other side of the world, all we can do is wait and pray. I keep thinking of Pastor Josh's sermon from a couple weeks ago, the one with the Johnny Cash lyrics. And that delicate balance between being heavenly-minded while also doing earthly good. Our ultimate hope is in resurrection, that out of death comes new and eternal life, 
that we will someday know something more than this world. But the Christian hope is also for right now in this life. We pray every week for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hope and pray for our world to be transfigured, that our world of war and hurt and pain is in the process of being completely transformed, that heaven is coming to earth. We see signs of this change. We see glimmers of God's glory. We experience in our own lives God's unconditional love and moments of resurrection. We witness the small transformations and even the occasional miracle, which gives us hope that the big transformations are, in fact, possible. And in our faithful waiting and praying, there's ministry for us to do. As a reconciling in Christ church, there are youth in our own community who see what is happening around the country who do not feel loved or accepted. We need to be here for them and make it very clear that they are loved and made in God's image and fully becoming the person you are created to be is a good thing, something God delights in not something to be ashamed of. And a God of transfiguration, of one thing becoming another, embraces self-discovery and transformation. And while it feels impossible to help people who are half a world away, and I can't offer any deep insight or great wisdom here, we can We do what we can. We continue to pray. If you have Ukrainian or Russian friends here, offer a listening ear. Ask them how they're doing. As a country with wealth and safety and resources to offer, we can welcome refugees who seek safety and community. In our own lives, we can do our best to love our enemies and seek peace rather than increased division. While we're doing ministry on the ground and in the valleys, we hold on to our mountaintop moments and the promise of resurrection and transformation. These moments where we witness God's glory that fill us with hope. And we pray that one day we will witness a world where we all celebrate the beautiful diversity of God's creation, where people can live in peace without fear, and all people will know that they are accepted and loved. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. May it be so. Amen.